hey, welcome to the podcast. Tune in, because today we're going to talk about righteousness. Hey guys, this is your brother, your son, and your friend in the Lord, Kirby Disvalens. And I just wanted to inform you guys of some really new changes that I believe the Lord has brought into my personal life. As many of you have noticed, there's a huge cutoff time in between the last podcast and this one, which has been just recently placed. Now, as I aim and strive to become more consistent and more helpful, I ask you to pray for me. Because the Bible tells us, Jesus told his disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane to pray because the spirit is willing and the flesh is weak. And the reason why he told them to pray is so that they do not fall into temptation. So I just wanted to inform you guys of the struggles that can come in a Christian's life. But don't lose heart because God is a restorer. Anywho, I started a podcast by God's own grace, and it's called Exercise and Bible Reading. Not so much a podcast, but more so a TikTok. And in the near future, we're going to consider doing some changes on this platform, um, hopefully even changing the name of this TikTok platform to Exercise and Bible Reading, just so people can have something to listen to, whether they're exercising, whether they're in the car. Or just anything that they can do to take out time out of their day to just spend time with the Lord. But let's dive right in. Again, my name is Kirby. And I was speaking to my brother in Christ, Pierre. And we were speaking on the topic of righteousness. Uh, We speak a lot on various topics. But this topic of righteousness has been placed on my heart for the fact that many Christians are not founded in the belief that they are saints. They are called righteous by God. Not once in the New Testament does God refer to a Christian man, a believer, one founded in Christ, walking the faith walk, living a life with a repentant heart. Not one time does God refer to that person as a sinner. As a matter of fact, God refers to that person as things where if we were to call ourselves that publicly, people would call us either hypocrites, crazy, liars, or so many other ridiculous sounding names. Because what legalism has brought upon us through the traditions of men is an idea that it's humble to call ourselves less than what God refers to us as. Now, we're going to dive right into it as soon as I have you open your Bible. Unless, of course, you're driving a car or flying an airplane to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Now, we're going to read 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 12 to 21. To the glory of God. Hey guys, let's dive right into it. 
2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 12. I'm reading from the New King James translation. For we do not commend ourselves again to you, but give you opportunity to boast on our behalf, that you may have an answer for those who boast in appearance and not in heart. For if we beside ourselves, for if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. Or if we are of sound mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ compels us, because we judge thus, that if one died for all, then all died, and he died for all. That those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now, all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God, for he made him who knew no sin, sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him Holy Spirit please give us insight into the word and I pray that you teach us as you are the teacher oh father by your spirit I pray that you would reveal things to us that we wouldn't have known otherwise as you promised that you would do in Jeremiah 33, verse 3. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, let's talk a little bit, friends. To get a concept of righteousness, you have to understand the concept of sin. Sin is the verb, it's the action. Iniquity would be the state of being where a person would remain in a constant state of iniquity. Their lifestyle is full of actions of sin. Their nature is full of sin to the point where they can't help it but to sin. The unregenerate can't help it but to sin because that's what unregenerates do. But for us who are in Christ Jesus, it's a little bit of a different story. The reason why I say that is because when you come to Christ, Christ doesn't just redeem you. Christ revives you. Christ doesn't just bring you back. He transforms your life into a state of being as if you never left. Kirby, what are you saying? What I'm saying is 
The Lord didn't come to make gay people straight. The Lord didn't come just to make smokers not smoke or drunkards sober. The Lord came to make dead people alive. The Bible says that when we were in the world, we were dead in our sins. But now that we've come to Christ, we are alive in him. Now, sin is anything that breaks God's law, his divine law, God's divine character. And anything that goes against the law of love given to us by Christ Jesus. The Bible actually goes as far as to say that anything that is not of faith is a sin. Now, when you come to Jesus Christ, according to what we've just read in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if any man comes to Christ, he is a new creation. It didn't say a new creature. It's a new creation. It's a whole new thing altogether, all entirely. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Jesus spoke to Nicodemus, who was a religious leader of the law. And he said that you must be born again. Nicodemus, who didn't really understand the concept of that, in his logical mind of thinking, he responded and said, Lord, how can a man enter into his mother's womb for the second time? As old as I am, how can I go back into my mother's womb? But Jesus said, whatever is born of flesh is flesh. Whatever is born of spirit is spirit, as his response. And he emphasized that being born again is to be renewed in your spirit, man. The moment that you come to Christ Jesus and you are born again, your spirit is born again, according to Peter, not of corruptible seed, like your first birth, but of incorruptible seed coming directly from God. First John 4, 4 tells us you are of God, little children, and have overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. We love to focus on the B part where it says greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world in order to overcome temptation, to overcome spiritual warfare, to overcome situations. But we brush over the first part. You are of God, little children. As a child of God, the moment that you took the decision to be born again, the Bible says that the spirit of the Lord came upon you. The spirit of adoption by which you cry out, Abba, Father. And that same Holy Spirit, when he came into your spirit, became one with your spirit. And that's the reason why you can be called a child of God now. We weren't all children of God before. The Bible says in Ezekiel that God made a statement. He said, all souls are mine and the soul that sinners shall die. Yes, you belonged to God, but you were not his child. You were his creation. But when you came to Christ Jesus and the spirit of the Lord came into your spirit and became one with your spirit. Now you have the spirit of adoption to where you can say, Abba, Father. Now, why is that important? That gives you a hint on who you are now. A lot of Christians love to go around and say, I'm a sinner. I was born a sinner. I'm going to die a sinner. Uh, uh, uh. The Bible actually says that I have been crucified with Christ. It is not I who live. It is Christ that lives in me. I died a sinner already. Kirby, how did you die a sinner? You're still alive. You're speaking to this podcast. I died on the cross 2,000 years ago. 
Because when Jesus died, he died for me and he died as me. When I went down into the waters of baptism, to go plunged into the waters of baptism means to die with Christ. To be submerged under the water to, means to be buried with Christ. To be raised from the water means to be raised with Christ. Come on, somebody. So that means this being that I am now, post me being baptized, post me being born again, is not the same being that I was before. Why? Because the spirit that's in you now is perfect. Yes, your spirit is perfect. Now we know, just like it says in Thessalonians, may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless. You're a three-part being, your spirit, your soul, your body. Now your spirit is perfect. The problem is not with your spirit, because that's where the Holy Spirit is, if you are really a believer. The problem now is with two different aspects, your soul, that's your mind, your will, and your emotions. That's your psyche. We, that's where we derive the word psychology from, which is the study of the soul, the study of the psyche. Your mind, your will, and your emotions love to keep track and keep record of your past life, of your past mistakes, of your past failings, of your past addictions. Although the sin nature has been removed. How can I say it has been removed? Because the Bible tells us that that's the reason why Jesus came. That's the reason why the word tells us who the son sets free is free indeed. That's the reason why we've been redeemed from the law, according to Galatians chapter 4 and Galatians chapter 5. Your sin nature has been removed. But now, your spirit man, which is perfect, is in constant warfare with the flesh, which is your physical body and its own desires. Your soul, the Bible says in Romans 12, verse 1 and 2, it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to offer your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable and pleasing to God, which is your reasonable act of worship. And then it says, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The Bible says to combat confirmation. What I mean is to combat conforming to this world system. Is by changing your mind. It could have easily informed us to say changing your actions. But the word of God is piercing it like a double edged sword. Surgically right at the root. The root of your actions. Your heart and your mind. Now, before you came to Christ, your unregenerate heart was deceptive, deceitful. The Bible says evil, wicked amongst all of the things who can know your heart. But when you came to Christ, your spirit was transformed, but your soul needs to be renewed. Many things in Christ, when we first came to Christ, came in two aspects. The information came in learning as the first aspect. And then the second pieces of information came as unlearning, unlearning the behaviors that we had before and having to relearn new ones. 
Why? There's a proverb that I heard. It's a Haitian proverb. An eagle that's raised amongst chickens will think that it's weird because it can fly. When you became born again, you weren't born as just this carnal, disgusting human again. The Bible says that you are born of incorruptible seed. But now, since you are born again, you changing your way of thinking, just like the Haitian proverb, is you seemingly becoming like that eagle who was raised around chickens, acting like chickens, having the mannerisms of chickens. But now, because it's an eagle, it started to realize it's not a chicken anymore. It has power to do things. It has strength to, to do things. It's freed from that nature, that chicken mindset, that chicken mentality. And all it needs to do is relearn and unlearn. That's all it needs to do. It needs to learn the new patterns of life. It needs to learn and conform to this new thinking. It's a new creature now. And it needs to act and behave as it is. But if you're a Christian and all you say is, I'm a sinner, I'm a sinner, I'm a sinner. It's like that eagle walking around the chickens and saying, I'm a chicken, I'm a chicken, I'm a chicken. I'm a chicken, I'm a chicken, I'm a chicken. And it's thinking that it's some form of humility. And because it's remaining in that mindset, it's going to peck like a chicken. It's going to like a chicken. And if a poacher tried to chase after the other chickens, the eagle will run away just like a chicken. Because of its mindset. So you need to change your mind. And then the third aspect is your flesh. The Bible gives a really unique response to how to deal with the flesh. And it tells us to crucify the flesh. It tells us to put to death the works of the flesh. Galatians 5 verse 17 to 21 tells us and it lists 21 different things that are fruits of the flesh. I'm sorry, 17 different things that are fruits and works of the flesh. Now, as we've got that foundation, we have to understand why in Scripture does the Bible call us righteous? Search the New Testament and you'll see that we're recognized as many different names. We're going to specifically go to 1 Peter 2.9. Can you turn your Bible with me, friend? 1 Peter 2.9. Okay. Now, if we go to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, we're going to hear some really peculiar things about what the Word of God tells us a Christian is. Because Christian, the word Christian, albeit it's a title given by some people who are mocking our faith. However, not to demean the title, however, we are much more than just the title Christian. 1 Peter 2, verse 9. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, 
but are now the people of God who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. And what I think is so beautiful, the word chosen is the word ekletos in the Strong's Dictionary. The word ekletos means one designated and picked out from among a larger group for special service or privileges. Someone picked out. Think of it back in when, in, in when you were in an elementary school and they would pick out a specific student to be the line leader. Or they would pick out a student in the class uh, to do a task and to help the teacher after class, whether it be to clean the board, to do something. Or even to go as far as to go into PE, when they would pick a specific student to be a team captain, to choose a team. You're chosen for a special purpose with special privileges. Now, you as a Christian, if you were never told that, you are just like the chicken or the, the, the eagle among chickens. If you were never told that this was in the word of God, you would sit here reminiscing over how your life is horrible and how God hasn't completed the work that he's promised you. Although this isn't a promise, this is the word of God telling you what you are. The moment the Holy Spirit came into you, God claimed you as his own, if the Holy Spirit is in you. The Bible says those who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. And all of creation groans for the revelation and the manifestation of the sons of God. The creation itself that has fallen into subjection, not willingly, but because of the one who subjected it, because of what Adam did in the Garden of Eden, all of creation fell with it. It wasn't made like how it is now. Creation wasn't made like how it is now. It wasn't purposed to become how it is now. Lions eating gazelles. Wolf devouring sheep. It wasn't the perfect world that God... This isn't the perfect world that God designed it to be. It's a fallen state. So all of creation groans. That means even that gazelle running away from the line is groaning. Even that tree being pulled out by earthquakes and burned down by forest fires, forest fires is groaning. All of creation is groaning. For what? For the manifestation of the sons of God. That's us. And the Bible says that we have this treasure hidden within earthen vessels. Our physical body is the earthen vessels and we have treasure hidden inside of it. And this verse right here in 1 Peter 2, 9 tells us we're a chosen generation for those who think that they're just randomly choosing God. No, Jesus went as far as to say that you wouldn't even be able to come to him unless the father first drawn you to him. Scripturally, you wouldn't have been able to come to Christ unless God first reached out to you. The Bible calls you a royal priesthood. A priest is a minister of God towards man. And a minister of man towards God. What does that mean? That means a priest represents God before man and represents man before God. A priest is a mediator. And between the two, the priest brings reconciliation. They offer sacrifices. They sprinkle the people with blood. The Bible even goes as far as to say that they put blood on the tips of some of the Israelites' ears and they do so many sacrifices throughout to reconcile the people back to God. 
And then they also established the laws and the covenants of God. The Mosaic law in the past, they would establish that to reconcile God with the people. And the Bible doesn't just call you a priest. It says you're a royal priesthood. Because you come from the king, Jesus. The Bible says that Jesus is the high priest coming from the line of the order of Melchizedek in Hebrews. The Bible also calls you a holy nation. The word of God just called you holy. A lot of Christians don't know that holiness is to be set apart for God. The mountain itself had no sin. Mount Sinai I'm speaking of. But the Bible calls it the holy mountain of God. The Bible says that the tip of the mountain is burned. There's a mountain in Arabia that we believe is Mount Sinai. Until this day, the tip of that mountain is still burned. But it's not the mountain itself that's holy. But because God sat on the mountain and God called the mountain his own set apart mountain. Think of it like you're in a household. Me, myself, I'm a Haitian and my family, they're really big into fine china. So I come from a descendancy of Haitian as a physical aspect. And we have fine china in the house. Now, the thing about fine china is you don't take out fine china for common use. You take out fine china for special use, graduations, weddings. Sometimes we never even touch the fine china. To this day, there's some china in there that I've never touched. And I'm very confident in saying that. You are the fine china of heaven. The Bible calls you a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. Remember, we went over the word chosen. Chosen is eclectos. Meaning that you can put it as you were God's special designated chosen one picked out from a larger group with special service and special privileges. Wow. That blows your mind, right? But yet we still walk around. Calling ourselves things that Jesus never called us. We're a bunch of sinners. Now the Bible says in Romans 3 verse 23. That all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Yes, we all in the past have sinned. And the Bible even says that if you say that you have no sin. That you're a liar. But it's not your nature if you're in Christ. And because we're speaking out of that divine nature. That the Bible says that you have inside of you. Scripturally. Born of divine nature. If you want an extra reference, Psalms 82 verse 6. Because you have that nature, you identify with only what the word of God calls you. Because it's not you that's living now. It's Christ living in you. Your life is hidden in Christ. And your life is revealed at the day of his coming. But right now, if you are walking on this earth, it's not you that's living. It's Christ that's living in you. Why? Because your spirit has been made one with his spirit. And he's your Lord. And you're his servant. And because he's your master, whatever he calls you, that's what you are. The Bible actually goes as far as to say in 1 John that whoever practices righteousness is just as righteous as he is. What? Yes, that's what the word of God says. And the Bible says that God is faithful and just. If you confess your sin, God is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. If God cleanses you from all unrighteousness, what does that make you after God forgives you? Righteous. Now, the word righteous 
is the word justified, renewed back into right relationship with God. Because of what Jesus did, not because of what you did. It's not of works. You're saved by grace, not of works, lest anyone should boast. You can't boast because you've been so good. No. If you boast, boast only in what the Lord has done for you. Boast in the Lord. The Lord has made you righteousness. It's his righteousness. Like I said, it's the order of substitution. Jesus died for you and he died as you. So now you don't just only live for him. You live as him. That's the reason why you're given authority to cast out demons. That's the reason why you can pray in his name and things can happen. That's the reason why you can lay hands on the sick and they, and they can recover. That's the reason why if you read Mark 16, verse 16 and 17, you're going to see that these signs shall follow them who believe. Why will these signs follow those who believe? Because of Christ. Christ in you, the hope of glory. All the promises of God in Christ Jesus are yes and amen. And if Christ is in you, How can you just call yourself a sinner just like everybody else? Now, let's go into Romans chapter 6, verse 11. We're going to touch a really important point now. Romans chapter 6, verse 11. All right, dear friends. Romans chapter 6, verse 11 is really, really pivotal to someone overcoming sin. Now, we understand, as we're going to go into afterwards, Galatians chapter 5 tells us about the warfare, not the spiritual warfare between us and the enemy, but the spiritual warfare between our spirit and our flesh. And the Bible tells us how to overcome. And the Bible says if we walk in the spirit, we won't gratify the deeds of the flesh. But we're not touching that yet. To build a foundation, my friends, before you do anything else, look at Romans 6 verse 11. I used to be addicted to pornography. I used to be addicted to masturbation. I used to be addicted to so many different things. And then when coming to the knowledge of the truth of Christ Jesus, by his grace, he not only delivered me from those sins, but he set me apart in such a way that I hate the, even the thought of those sins. It's just revolting, disgusting to me, repulsive to me. Now, in Romans chapter 6, verse 11... I want you to read something for me. We're going to start from verse five. It says, for if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. You're no longer a slave of sin, period. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, died is past tense. It's not saying if we will die with Christ. It said if we died with Christ, past tense. We believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ has been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. 
That's the reason why Jesus said, whoever believes in me shall never die because death doesn't have dominion over him anymore. So if you are hidden in him and you're born again and you have joined with him in the waters of baptism to where you're called the body of Christ, death can't have dominion over you. The only way death can have dominion over you is if it can have dominion over Christ. Why? Because you are not your own person. You are not your own body. Your, your, even your very own body is the body, the temple of the Holy Spirit, because you are engrafted into his body even in the scientific world we know that the cells of a person even contain and consist their dna if you're a part of the body of christ think of it as you're the part of his cells you're a part of his makeup you're part of him and if death has no dominion over you how can it have if death has no dominion over him how can it have dominion over you verse 10 for the death that he died he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Someone may get confused and say, Kirby, what do you mean by death has no dominion over me? Death is separation. Separation from God, ultimately, and even secondarily separation from the body which is why we're able to call people who are walking around without christ jesus they're the living dead they're animated they're bound in sin they're dead in sin they can't help it but to sin they they don't feel fulfilled unless they smack someone they don't feel fulfilled unless they say something bad even little babies who are born with the sin nature who are born in this state that adam has passed down to them you don't teach a baby how to bite someone, but the baby automatically knows that if another kid takes his toy, it's going to spit at the baby, bite that baby. Who taught the baby, the first baby, how to hit? Who taught the first baby how to spit, how to bite? No one. But that's in nature. You ask little Johnny, little Johnny, did you eat the cookie? No. And then cookie crumbs are all over little Johnny's mouth. How did little Johnny know how to lie? How did little Johnny know how to be self-preserving? Did anyone teach him that? No, but it's the sin nature. In the same way that if there's a cat in your house, imagine your own pet or if you've ever had a pet before. The mannerisms that you can see in your cat or dog, whether it be to scratch itself or make certain noises. You can go all the way to the other side of the world, opposite of you. Find an animal just like yours, whether it be a cat or a dog, and you'll see the same mannerisms in it because it shares the same instincts, the same nature. Think of sin nature as sin instincts. Someone has instincts to do wrong, instincts to lie, instincts to be prideful, instincts to gossip. But now, as we've covered that death is separation from God. Death has no dominion over us because in Christ Jesus, Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you produce much fruit. You, you don't need to be afraid of being pruned away or being cut away because you are abiding in him. And Jesus tells us to abide in his love. And if we abide in him, separation from God has no dominion over us. We have no fear of separation from God. No fear of separation from God because Jesus was separated from God on the cross. When he said, 
Father, why have you forsaken me? He said that so we don't have to experience it if we're in him. That's why the word of God tells us, and this is a trick to overcoming sin. Uh, let me go right back to the part. I feel like someone's going to hear that first part and they, they want to hear it again. While Jesus was on the cross, one of the things that Jesus said, outside of Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Outside of I thirst. Outside of Father, into your hands I give my spirit. Outside of all these things, Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because in that very moment, just like the word of God tells us in 2 Corinthians 5, 21, he has become sin for us so that in him we become the righteousness of God. Because he has become sin for us, he experienced first that separation from God, that spiritual death. And then he experienced the physical death. So we, we are not overcome by separation from God. We have the hope of glory. Christ in me, the hope of glory. Even in the wilderness seasons, we know the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Even in those wilderness seasons, we know that we will rise again. The righteous fall seven times and get back up again. And even physically, when we physically leave this body, even Jesus never called it death in certain instances. Jesus said this person is just sleeping. Why? Because we have the hope of coming right back. This body won't stay on the ground permanently. It's sleeping because we're coming right back. The Bible tells us it's going to be transformed into a glorious body. Amen, somebody. So how do you overcome sin now? Well, why does sin happen? Sin happens by temptation. And why does temptation happen? The word of God tells us in Romans that temptation comes because of our own desires. We desire evil and desire evil things. So then we do those evil things and we break God's law thereby. So the enemy can only tempt you by what you desire. But if the word of God tells you, and like we just read Romans 6 verse 11, to consider yourselves dead to sin. It doesn't start from the actions, it starts from the desire. The devil can't tempt a dead person with lust because he's dead. The devil can't tempt a porn addict with porn because he's dead. If I'm living, it's because I died already with Christ Jesus. So if, if it was before that time, the devil had the right to tempt me because I was a slave to sin. And the devil's sin began with the devil. The Bible calls him the murderer from the very beginning. The Bible calls him the father of lies. But now that I'm in Christ Jesus and the old things have passed away, the old desires have become new as well. And now that my mind is renewed on that subject, I don't refuse porn because I'm resisting watching it. I refuse porn because in my very nature, I don't want to watch it. It's just not something that I do. It's not like, oh, gosh, I want to stop watching it. 
No, and I was at a point like that for years. I've been watching it since I was eight years old. But now because I'm new in Christ Jesus, I'm completely cut off from that old lifestyle. It's literally like if someone were to come to me and say, Kirby, remember when you did this in this in the past? I'll say you were talking about somebody else. That person died already. There's this that wasn't me. You may call me delusional, but they call Jesus delusional, too. They said he had a demon, even though he was just being spiritually deep. He was just being so spiritually concerned, setting his mind on things above, not on things beneath. So we're going to continue. With verse 12 to verse 14 in Romans chapter 6, it says, Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lusts. And do not present your, your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. Somebody just take a deep breath with me. That's life. Take another deep breath. If you're a believer, that is new life breath. It's not the same dead, trapped in bondage, old life you had but kirby i'm having an addiction right now let me tell you what's going on imagine that you're going to a pool there's a pool nearby this area called barracuda bay it's a water park and imagine that you're in a swimming pool and you're in a swimming pool that's three feet tall and you're five foot or six foot and you're in that three foot swimming pool and you're drowning drowning because you're unstable and you're on your knees and you're literally just plunged in the water. And while you're drowning, someone were to just cry out and say, hey, stop struggling with the water. It's only three feet. All you have to do is stand up straight. Your feet can just touch the ground and you stand up and your head is above water. You don't need to struggle like this. That information of your new foundability renews your mind to the reality of your situation. Let me say it again. That information that was given to you grants you new foundability and renews your mind in your current situation. Because someone tells you, you don't need to do that anymore. No one's tying you down. You're not tied down by rope. You're not really drowning because you're carrying weights or anything like that. Heavy bricks on you. You just don't have the information that you're in a three-foot pool. You're not in the eight-foot pool anymore. Just stand up and you can conquer. In the same way with sin. If no one has ever told you, you are the righteousness of God. You don't want to sin. The reason why you desire sin is the flesh, but your spirit is alive. Seek God, walk in the spirit, and you'll see these natures just fall off. Because the word of God says in Galatians chapter 5, verse 7, that if you walk in the spirit, you will not fulfill the 
lust of the flesh. It's not a promise. It's information given to you. Walk in the spirit and you won't do it. Walk in the spirit because that's your birthplace. Now your birthplace isn't in the flesh anymore. Your birthplace is found in the spirit because you were born again. So walk in the spirit. Walk in your natural birthplace. And you'll see that you'll overcome these trials in life that other people drown in. These trials with anger. These trials with lust. They're not regular. They're not, they're not just regular warfare for you anymore. You've already won the battle in Christ Jesus. You're not fighting for victory. You're fighting from victory. You're not fighting past the it is finished. Stop thinking that you're, fa you're fighting past the it is finished. Past what Jesus already did. You're not adding on to a finished work. You're building on top of the finished work. So, that's the reason why the word of God tells you. You're not under the law anymore where the law would just tell you what to do and not give you any hate, any help in doing it. You're under grace. And in grace, you have the help of heaven backing you up. So will you guys follow me to conclude to Galatians? Let's go to Galatians, my friends. Galatians chapter five, and then we're going to close here. It says, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. And do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Indeed, I, Paul, say that to you. That if you become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. And I testify again to every man who becomes circumcised that he is a debtor to keep the whole law. The word of God isn't just talking about this cutting of the foreskin. Because we know that we're circumcised in heart. When the Holy Spirit comes in us and we cut away the sinful natures. We're circumcised in heart. What Apostle Paul is Addressing here is the mentality of Christians in Galatia at that time, believing that they can hold on to their Judaism and to their Christianity and have this both twofold religion. But Jesus said, you can't serve two masters. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 9 and 16 to 17, that no one buys a new piece of clothes to cut pieces off of that new clothes and fix ripped up old clothes. Nobody does that. Nobody buys a new bottle of wine, a new wine skin, a new bottle of wine and pours the wine into an old wine skin. Nobody does that. No. Why? Because if you pour new wine into an old wine skin, the wine skin will expand and it will burst because it lost its virgility that that that. That thing that keeps it stretchy and elastic. Same thing with a new piece of clothes. You don't buy a new t-shirt just so you can take scissors and cut off pieces of that new t-shirt. And to sew it onto an old t-shirt. No. So. Anyways, let's continue. Now that we built that foundation. It's not just circumcision, but he's addressing trying to keep the whole law, 613 statues. He says, And I testify again to every man who becomes circumcised that he is a debtor to keep the whole law. You have become estranged from Christ, you who attempt to be justified by law. 
you have fallen from grace. For we through the Spirit eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything, but faith working through love. You ran well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion does not come from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in you, in the Lord, that you will have no other mind, but he who troubles you shall bear his judgment, whoever he is. Apostle Paul is saying here, like, you guys started so well. You started with faith. You started walking in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. But someone troubled you. And I really hope that whoever's troubling you, that they get what's coming to them. Because a little leaven leavens the whole lump. That means a little bit of the law. If you just try to keep a little bit of the law, you're going to see that your whole life is going to be focused on what sin can do and not what Christ did. Your whole life is focused on sin, sin, sin because you're struggling and you're still bound in those things that you were freed from at first. Why? Because you can't mix old and new. If you start in the spirit and you're born again and you're of the spirit, you keep walking in the spirit. You can't start from the spirit, be born again of the spirit, walk in the spirit, and then go back to walking in the flesh. Because the Bible says that the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. The letter, which is speaking of the letters that apostle, that I'm sorry, not apostle, prophet Moses, that he wrote to Joshua and to the rest of the people of Israel before he left, the letters in Deuteronomy, the Torah, that all those beautiful letters, they didn't produce righteousness in the people. Instead, they revealed what sin was because the people would not have known sin. You wouldn't have known what stealing was unless the law tells you don't steal. You wouldn't know what murdering was, what murder was justifiable, you know, whether it be justifiable in the sense of an army or defense self-defense things of that nature what is going on you wouldn't know you just think that all killing is okay it's free game but because people still try to keep the law without understanding the purpose that the law was given the law was given as a tutor the bible says in colossians chapter 2 the law was a foreshadowing it's just a shadow of things to come but the substance the thing that is actually attached to that shadow is jesus christ you can't come to jesus christ and then say you know what i want you jesus christ but i want your shadow too let me look at the shadow and focus on the shadow no imagine you're on a date with a beautiful girl or a handsome guy and all you're looking at is their shadow that's what people are doing to Jesus when they keep saying, I love you. I love the Gospels. I love what you did in this New Testament. But let me go right back. And this is what I want to live by. What? No. So Apostle Paul's rebuking them. And then he goes as far as to say. For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh. But through love, serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, beware, lest you be consumed by one another. Basically saying that if you keep offending people, if you keep judging people, if you keep treating people outside of the law of love, be careful. So, finally, we're going to go from verse 16. And then we're going to finish at verse 26, God willing, maybe a little bit earlier. 
It says, I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another. I'm going to read it again. Verse 16. I say then, Apostle Paul speaking, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Boom. If you walk in the spirit, he didn't say you might not. He said you will not walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. The answer to fighting sin is to go to a different realm. You're fighting it with flesh and blood. You're fighting it with humanistic efforts, but it's not by power. It's not by might. It's by God's spirit. I know that that verse was in a different context, but I'm using it to portray the message that walking in the spirit is imperative because that's where the warfare happens. That's where the victory happens. And that's where you receive the answers from God. You receive it in the spirit before it manifests in the physical. That's where faith is. Why? Because God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in the truth. And the Bible says whoever comes to God must believe that he is that spirit. And that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. How can you seek a spirit? You seek a spirit by walking in the spirit. You seek God by walking in his realm, in spirit. And that's how you overcome sin. So, for the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another. So that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousy, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, that's wild parties, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. The answer to not practicing such things was given in just the previous verse. Walk in the spirit and you will be assured of your salvation. Because if you walk in the spirit, the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit will give us assurance. He will give us assurance of our salvation. You can know that you're going to heaven. You can look at this list of sins and not relate to any of them. Know that not one of them are in your life. Why? Because in the spiritual walk, the Holy Spirit's leading you. And you don't need to be afraid of stumbling anymore. Like when you walk according to the law, you're always looking at your feet. But when you're walking according to the Spirit, you're always looking at Jesus. And then you see, just like the Bible says in Ezekiel chapter 36 and chapter 37, God puts a new heart in you and puts a new spirit within you. And he writes his laws on your heart and he causes you to obey him. Even without you even knowing, he causes you to obey him without your permission because you gave him permission the moment that you were baptized. God wants you to walk in the spirit. And that's the most effective way to follow him. Then we see the fruit of the spirit, meaning the fruit of walking in the spirit. He didn't say the fruits, the fruit, meaning when you walk in the spirit, because you have the Holy Spirit, and if you have the Holy Spirit in your spirit, you will see these fruit. This is from walking in the spirit. You will see it. It's not like you just pick one cherry, pick one, and then say, God, I need more of this. And the next day you say, God, I need more of this. No, by walking in the spirit, you get all at once. You'll see them manifested maybe at different times, but they all begin to be produced in you the moment you start walking in the spirit. It says, but the fruit of the spirit is love. If you walk in the spirit, you're more loving. 
The fruit of the spirit is joy. If you walk in the spirit, you're more joyful. The fruit of the spirit is peace. If you walk in the spirit, you have peace. The fruit of the spirit is long suffering. If you walk in the spirit, you're more patient. The fruit of the spirit is kindness. If you're walking in the spirit, you're, you're more kind. The fruit of the spirit is goodness. If you walk in the spirit, you're good. The fruit of the spirit is faithfulness. If you walk in the spirit, you're more faithful. The King James Version says the fruit of the spirit is faith. So you could say if you walk in the spirit, you see the sign of faith. 23. The fruit of the spirit of gentleness. If you walk in the spirit, you're more gentle. The fruit of the spirit is self-control. If you walk in the spirit, you have more self-control. I'm telling you the signs that someone's walking in the spirit because you know them by their fruit. And if you see somebody saying that they walk in the spirit or you see a Christian who is not as loving as they should be, not as kind as they should be, not as gentle as they should be, you should just tell them walk more in the spirit. Spend more time in the spirit. Set your minds on things above. Set your minds on things on a higher dimension. The spiritual world. Against such things, against such there is no law. And those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. I'm going to close with this prayer. And I want you to join me in this prayer because we gave you so much information. What I mean by me, we is in partnership. The Bible says the Lord working with them, confirming the word which signs and wonders following. I'm going to pray for you. Lord, I pray that the fruit of the Spirit manifest in them. But even more so, I pray that they see that the fruit is just a sign that they're walking in the Spirit. When they see the fruit of the Spirit manifested and they desire more, bring them into more deep levels of walking in the Spirit with you. Because the Bible says that those who are born of Spirit is Spirit. And I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name, that you let them know that because of who you are, you called them and made them the righteousness of God, not because of their own righteousness, because their own righteousness is as filthy rags, but because of your righteousness, the only righteousness that was approved before God as God's elect. And I pray, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, that each person that listens to this has a deeper revelation of who they are in Christ, as we read in 1 Peter 2, 9. Help them have a deeper revelation so that they can grow in maturity and that when they pray, they don't pray because they deserve it anymore, but they pray because they know that the righteousness that comes is coming from you. And if you answer the prayer request, it's not because they deserve it, but because it's your righteousness and you deserved it. You'll only give us those things that even you deserved. So I pray this in Jesus' name that you teach us to always walk in this righteousness. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Again, if you want to go into deeper study, I'd invite you to read Romans chapter 6, 7, and 8. And then I'd ask you to go into further study in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 Galatians chapter 5 and then going as far as to reading the gospels the reason why is because it's important for us to know not only what did Jesus do for us but what did Jesus do as us so when we place our faith in him why we place our faith in him and not just on him. 
Brother Kirby, out. Peace. If you have never made a personal decision to come to Jesus Christ, today is the day and the time is now. Pray this little prayer with me because tomorrow isn't promised and dedicate your life to Jesus. Dear Heavenly Father, I come before you. I heard this message and I want to be saved. Forgive me of all of my sins and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Today, I believe that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for my sins. And I believe that Jesus rose again on the third day. And right now, I confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and he's coming again for me. Thank you, Father. And I pray that you fill me with your Holy Spirit and help me to live for you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now I want to assure you, if you prayed that little prayer and you believed in your heart, all I ask you to do is to repent of your sins. Find a good local Bible-believing church and seek God every day. The Bible says that if you believe and if you are baptized, you'll be saved. And all I invite you to do is to believe and to plant the seed for salvation.